You're listening to the Soul Line Self-Care Podcast. I'm your host, Tina Stinson, and today we have a special guest on, Christine Clifton. And Christine teaches mindful professionals and entrepreneurs to say what they need to say and get where they want to go so they have the freedom, fulfillment, and flow in their life that they deserve. Let's get into it. Welcome to the Soul Align Self-Care Podcast. I'm your host, Tina Stinson, and we will be talking all about deep level self-care practices to help you have success in both your personal and professional life by reducing stress and anxiety and overwhelm, improving your mindset, and creating a strong, loving connection with yourself. I'll see you on the inside. Hey, Christine, welcome to the Soul Alliance Self-Care podcast. Thanks for having me. Sure. I'm so excited to have you on. So if we, if you could, to get started, can you tell everyone a little bit about yourself and what you do? Sure thing. I am, I always like to describe myself as the only girl in a family full of boys. It gives me a little, gives people a little background about how I was raised. Um, started out in corporate 20 years, uh, about 15, 16 years ago, I left corporate to start my first coaching practice. And I have evolved into a coach slash consultant slash mentor slash teacher <laughs> for people who are wanting to make a pivot or a change in their career or their business. And I take them on an inner journey, an inner view, so they can first assess who they've evolved into today, which is usually the biggest misstep when people want to make a change. Uh, we tend to just leap into action. And so I pause them, have them reassess, recalibrate, regroup, and really make a decision about how they want to show up at the next phase of their life so that whatever they choose is in alignment with who they are. Uh, and that adds a little more grace and ease and peace and fulfillment to their lives. So that's a little bit about me. I like that. I like that a lot. Um, do you find that you work with a lot of people midlife or is it all ages? That's a really good question. I do get a fair amount of midlife uh, folks, but I recently have been getting a lot of, I call them young people <laughs> that are in their say mid thirties, mm -hmm. um, you know, into early forties. And I think that with the pandemic, people, especially career professionals, have really put a greater value on the fulfillment at work and they are making changes i would i would say maybe younger than than they have in the past and so they come to me to say how and i don't like the word reinvent it's not really about reinventing yourself it's really about reconfiguring and deciding what you want to bring forth so yeah midlife um you know I, i'm a word nerd so i looked up the root of I want to say menopause. Okay. And I can't, I wish I could remember. I don't have the notes right here in front of me, but it was, it wasn't, it, yes, pause is the word like midlife pause, but it's based in German for crisis. Interesting. Cause it's Isn't not that, like, it's like a crisis or an emergency or something like that. And I huh. thought that's really interesting that, uh, that that's kind of the root of the word. And, yeah. but it really means a change point. 
Mm-hmm. You know, there's uh, there's a saying that there's this one symbol in Chinese that's the same for courage as well as crisis, because they both go kind of go hand in hand. So I think it's similar. Yeah, yeah that's very interesting. I don't think of menopause as a crisis, although it could feel that way to some people. I feel like it's just it's a shift and it's it's a forced shift. So maybe that's why it's so uncomfortable sometimes. Um, I also noticed that um, there's younger people looking to do this work too. And I think it's such a positive, um, it's really, really makes me happy because I feel like the reason why you see a lot of people midlife doing this is because a lot of people have been faced with something that forces them to like slow down, kind of like what we did in the pandemic. And so, you know, like maybe their kids go off to school, maybe they're getting a divorce, maybe they run into some kind of a health issue and they're, they, they have like this little forced slowdown and then they almost become more aware of what's going on in their life. And they realize that they've lost this connection with themselves and they're kind of lost or stuck or whatever you want to call it. Right. It's a, it's a more of a feeling than actually being stuck. Right. And I think, like you said, because of the pandemic where everybody was kind of like, all right, we're all going to exhale and pause. It was like almost like a group meditation of the planet where everybody was just like, oh, wow, what the heck am I doing? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, everybody woke up and was like, wow, this is, I don't know why I'm doing this. This is miserable. And, and the shift is just continuing and continuing. And I, I just like to see it. I love to see it because I feel like there's so, uh, there's such a better experience for most people that's available to them and they really have it in their hands to create it. So I, I think it's- absolutely. And uh, employers though, they're slow to change. Oh, I yeah. tell you, like, you know, the, I used to be in HR and they, they're saying the same things now about HR that they did back then, you know, and it's similar for this change that's happening in the em- employment uh, market is that companies aren't moving as quick as they, in my opinion, they need to, to harness this, this wave of people who are looking for the flexibility you know it was proven that you can work from home um you don't have to be in the office so companies are like you have to be back in the office and employees are like why you know like hands on hips and like harumph and uh companies are really having to face the music so it's it's a really interesting dynamic right now for sure there's a big shift coming i think there's feminine energy rising um Mm -hmm. it has been kind of for the past like 10-ish years and i think it just makes the patriarchy really uncomfortable so thing they don't like to change they yeah. buckle down you know yeah well that's a sure sign that change is coming when th- they start to hold on tighter and tighter and tighter to it and I think that's what we're seeing right now like an increased amount of tr- their them trying to control women and trying to like force them to do things that they don't want to do that's their way of trying to hold on to their little last bits of control yeah. and I do believe that the feminine energy is just coming in so quickly and it's, it's like compound interest right now. It's just, it's really just collecting this energy. And I, I just, it feels really, really, really good. I'm not saying that there's not going to be a, like, you know, some tough times ahead, the things that we have to go through, but I feel like there's definitely going to be some shifting. And I agree with what you said about the, the companies not, you know, being, you know, changing with the, with the times, because mm-hmm. they're going to be left behind, like Blockbuster was left behind if they don't really wake up and, you know, <laughs> it's like, yeah, for sure. Um, 
the four-day work week, uh, flexible flexible working spaces, like work mm-hmm. from home if they want to, or some people do like to go in. I mean, I, that would be some my last. Some people like the structure. Yeah, for sure. Some people it, need it. Some people need it. And yeah. so like, but I feel like that's going to be a thing of the past at some point because it's so expensive to have these, these businesses, uh, an actual roof, you know, where, where it's completely not necessary. It's just yeah, not. Yeah. There's, I don't follow real estate closely, but I have friends that do and there's a big shakeup obviously happening in commercial real estate because of this too it's just, it's really a fascinating study um if i weren't you know i don't know i'm just not as interested to go back to school for like sociology and anthropology and whatnot but this is like the perfect study time of our uh, of our culture about all these changes and oh, yeah. i just want to make a real quick comment about the feminine energy rising for the listeners specifically i don't mean women right? Yes. But I mean, feminine energy. And, and I just, I specify that because the, um, these younger men who are coming to me in their thirties and forties, um, they are, I call them a softer, you know, version of the male being. And there is studies that show that the psychographic, if you're into marketing, I am into marketing with my, the business side of what I do, but the psychographic of, uh, millennials and women in their mid 40s to mid 50s are almost identical and that means psychographics are what do you value what's important to you what are your attitudes what matters to you and so for your listeners since most of them are probably women in their mid 40s to mid 50s um it's a really similar thing so i they are really making change in the world and and i you know i believe that the young people will lead us if we just let them you know? Absolutely. Yeah. I have a 30 year old daughter. And so I'm, I'm very familiar with a lot of her friends and I definitely see this in the young men that she has in her life. Like just, it's just absolutely amazing. And sometimes it's like night and day from the experiences I had when I was oh, young. Me too. Yeah. It's just, yeah. it's very encouraging. And also in, aligned with that, the difference from when I was in my twenties and looking at my youngest daughter, who's in, she's uh, 22. And then, like I said, my other daughter's 30, looking at the way they um, respond, their confidence levels and, and setting boundaries and all these things that I had to learn on my own, they just do. Right. And I'm, you were so right. I noticed that as well. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's so inspiring. And I'm so like proud of my kids and my son also, he's just a wonderful human being, just like the sweetest. And so where I'm does just, he fall in the lineup? Where is he's he the, in the middle? He's, he's the middle. Oh, a middle boy. Interesting. He's the middle. He's so, he's such a good guy, such a wonderful man and uh, just sweet, sweet, just really mm-hmm. sweet. I'm very lucky. And so I love looking at them though and seeing how different they are, you know, not necessarily all of the, everyone in their, you know, age group, but they are and it's definitely a shift that's happening and yes, let them let them take charge because they know what they're doing, you know. Yes, yes, <laughs> they're they're definitely going to make it happen for sure. Yeah. So I'm in, I'm curious, you talked about um, shifting into the coaching business. So was there like something like a, a moment where you were like, I need to get out of corporate and go into coaching? Because this is like, what was that moment for you? What made you shift into that? That's a great question. I, um, 
I had my my career has been organic. I never set out to be, you know, vice president of human resources for XYZ company. Uh, I started in retail management or restaurant management. I moved to retail management. Um, I moved to retail HR. I then moved to insurance HR and then chemicals HR and then chemicals wow. sales. So this was over the course of my 20 year career. And, and so at each move, it was, it was about, you know, what do I love about what I'm doing? And what don't I love about what I'm doing? And how can I find more about what I love? And, and so those questions usually came at a growth point where I felt like I was plateauing um, as in a growth way it's not like I sat down and every birthday I asked myself these questions it was a feeling you know that hmm, mm -hmm. now what's next yeah. and so I, I I share that because the last position I was in in corporate was a sales coach for a commercial division of a chemicals company and technically we're a plastics company we sold acrylic not sexy but industrial sales <laughs> yeah. and I had moved in that same company from HR into sales and so I had a real tough go of it because uh chemicals is a male dominated industry and so you know who is this HR chick who thinks she can be a sales coach for us and and I had prior been their HR manager so I had that battle to fight and I knew the position that I was taking was a temporary one we were bringing in a new sales process and the uh, the the company that I was in had never seen my business background they didn't know I ran retail stores they didn't know I ran restaurants and so so I had to kind of prove myself through this you know this temporary role and because it was a matrix reporting relationship I hired my own coach for that two-year period of time uh, because I needed an advocate <laughs> I needed someone who had my back you know yeah. and um and so as I was working with her and she was doing the coaching thing to me, um, now I had used her once before for job change um, or when I was con contemplating job change, but um, I hired her again for this process. And, and as we started talking, I just thought, she said, you know, Christine, you'd be a great coach. Like, have you ever thought of coaching? And so that's how the conversation began. And I was also dealing with chronic illness at the time. And, and I really wanted to help advocate for chronic people with chronic illness. And so that's, that's what I did when my temporary assignment ended. I was told by the company, first of all, that I only had a choice to take this one position they wanted me in. And there was no way I was going to take that position. It, I, I won't go into details, but it was not for me. Yeah. And they tried to strong arm me into taking it, telling me that was my only option. And I'm like, hello, I've just spent six years in HR. You forget that I know the HR policies of this company. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so I went, to, I went to HR and I said, I know there's another option for me and I want to know why it's not being presented and it, or, 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 you know all these things so long story short um, I decided to leave the company with a severance package which I knew was part of our company policy um, because that just wasn't a fit for me and start my first practice so that's what I did. I love that story I love hearing how people transitioned into these positions but because I feel like being a coach um, there's always something behind it that's where, where you know like you want to make a change and you want to facilitate that and you want to do it to make every, everything better for everyone else and I when I, I get to talk to women like every day that are making these changes 
And there's so many of them. It just, uh, it's very inspiring. Like, so I love hearing these, these stories. So I wanted to ask you, so if somebody comes to you or say somebody can hire a coach, which is, which happens quite often and they want to make these changes though, what would be a good place for, you know, someone to start to like get themselves like unstuck and kind of like light a fire under their butt and uh, be able to move forward with something simple that they could do? The first thing that I would say is, um, now I'm Virgo, so I would say make a list, right? If they're more creative, maybe they want to make a vision board or something like that. But, yeah. but what the first step would be to really take that time and honor yourself to say, what am I doing now that I don't prefer? What am I doing now that I do prefer? And what do I want more of that I would prefer? Either more of what I'm doing now or something different. And mm -hmm. what I find with women, especially in most cultures, we're raised to serve others. And so we often don't take the time to even ask ourselves what it is that we want. So to me, that's the first step is, um, is to really do that assessment. And, and to be really clear when you get to the you know, the, uh, you know, separate the wheat from the chaff and get yourself a nice bundle of characteristics of what you want next so that you can be really clear and focused. And it, it helps you take the next step because you, you know, and you've done that exercise. So mm -hmm. that would be the place to start. And there's, you know, there's some really good books out there. Um, uh, Simon Sinek has a start with, um, you know, find your, find your why book. Yeah. He wrote start. start with why I really like his body of work. Mm -hmm. um, I think Martha Beck has follow your North star or something. I forget the title yes. of her book. Yeah. Um, so there's, uh, you know, find the authors, you know, there's a lot of work out there. Find what resonates for you and, you know, read a book or watch a, a Ted talk or, um, you know, interviews. I love watching interviews of authors because you get so much more insight into how they develop that book or that body of work. And you can find out a little bit more of their reasoning for why they're suggesting you do a thing, you know, or not. So to me, that's always interesting as well. So that's, those are the couple, if, if you don't have a budget for a coach and you want to go yourself, um, I would say, you know, get a buddy, but it's challenging to have a buddy when those times of those types of efforts, if, if they don't have the ability to do, you know, true coaching, like questioning of mm -hmm. you, you know, and we all have biases, you know, if our family and people who love us, I mean, you know, they, they, they have a bias, you know, and, and they can't always look at us in a purely objective way, but it's it can so be it can be okay to link arms with somebody and kind of go through it together or start your own little women's circle or do a book club, you know, find the find your why book together and go through it together and use somebody else's body of work to, to guide you. So those are some other ideas I'd toss in there. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's great. And I, I think that there's so much value hiring a coach and I'm not just saying that because I'm a coach and you're a coach. Um, but it's a place where they could start and then, you know, they could, if they get to a point where they're still stuck, then they could hire a coach and they've already done some of the work it's, it's, and reading books. Um, I always, I always call myself a book whore because, because <laughs> I read so many books and almost every book I read is a self-development book. I really love reading self-development books. And I actually did start a book club. I have a book club on Patreon that's all uh, self-development books. And I think that you can get a lot out of the books too, but also there's always just that one point where you just need 
like somebody to guide or hold your hand mm-hmm. or hold you accountable or even just like you like you said somebody removed from your life like not a friend not a family member who could really be honest with you and show you yes. and push you in the right direction and help you come up with that direction and i think that's why coaches are so valuable and i've used them at so many different points in my life also yeah i agree i mean there you know people go oh everybody's a coach today or like who's this 20 year old coach how can they be a coach you know at 20 years old but you know what there are old souls out there i believe mm-hmm. um and also everyone has their own path. Uh, you mentioned earlier about becoming a coach and wanting to help people, you know, through maybe what we went through. And mm-hmm. it's my belief that our, I call it our soul's calling as opposed to purpose or why, because I do believe that it's something really deep within. It's not a mental exercise at all. Mm-hmm. It's not like I'm thinking about what this is going to be. It's that you're being drawn to it. So to me, it's soul's calling. But what I say is our sacred wounds birth our soul's calling. Mm-hmm. And so our sacred wounds could be, you know, many different things as it might be childhood abuse, or it might be, um, you know, it might be being a only girl in a family full of boys, um, you know, and being beat on uh, equitably with my other my brothers. Uh, but that is, I find that very common in my client base is that, you know, whatever they went through is what is part of what their purpose is, or their calling is. So, Um, So it's, it's definitely connected. And um, I, having been in the coaching world for 16 years so far, maybe a little more, I feel like I've seen it all. I I know I haven't, but I feel like I've seen it all. You know, I've, I took a $10,000 group coaching program and, and uh, on the other side got spit out, burnout and broke, you know, I've, I've hired a coach for one session because I was in such a pickle I just needed one session. And mm-hmm. so I devised my programs. I call them Legos. So, so that people can choose how long they want to work with me, as opposed yeah. to, I have to sign up for a three, six, 12 month program. Um, yes. And I also have a pay what you want session. So mm-hmm. for people who have a tight budget or no budget at all, what I say in my little sign up form there is, you know, if you don't have a budget, then who can you introduce me to? Or would you go give me a review on Google or on mm-hmm. LinkedIn? So I never want there to be a barrier for yes. people. And so it's part of the reason why I offer those options in in my work um, because I was one of those people who at one point couldn't afford it um, yeah. I've, I've been believe it or not bankrupt almost three times in that in that 16 years and it's part of the money story that that um, I believe was part of my sacred wound mm-hmm. and it's why I bring money talk and money topics into my my body of work so I believe I was moved through those experiences so that I could teach people how to look at money differently so um so yeah that's a little of my story too <laughs> on money yeah no I agree with that like everything that I teach is from what I've been through and how I got through it and how I came out on the other side and it took me when I was doing it for myself, it took me a long time to get there. So the whole point of hiring a coach or working with me is to help you get through those things uh, easier with less friction, quicker. And having somebody else who has been through it is just so helpful. Just knowing that you're not alone is like huge, just that one little tiny little thing. And so I feel like, um, and most 
I would probably go as far as saying all of the women I know who coach are usually coaching on something that they've been through that they want to share. And also I wanted to add like, yes, there are 20 year olds that have been through stuff and that can teach stuff. And also what I find really valuable about younger, the younger generations is exactly what we were talking about before. They just have a different perspective on things. It's just a fresher perspective sometimes, not to say that my perspective isn't fresh, but it's just different. It's different. It's just different. Yeah. They have different experiences than us and different, different generation. And so it's really good to see that point of view. I always ask my children when I'm struggling with something, I always ask them, well, what do you think about this? Because I know they're going to come up with something that I'm not going to think of. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's so valuable. Um, talking about the the money the money mindset part, I'm, I'm very interested in that. Tell me more about um, what you do, maybe the process that you go through with people when you're talking about certain money mindsets that aren't, you know, very uh, helpful to people. Yeah, I say help, not healthy is usually the term that yeah. I like to to look at it. Um, I mean, just like those sacred wounds, you know, we all have come through life with different money stories. A lot of it we inherit from our family of origin, you know, how we were raised. I was raised in a military family. We were Catholic. um, And both of my parents were in the military. And I was the only girl in a family full of boys. So I was raised with discipline, um, obligation, duty, responsibility. Like that was my childhood. It wasn't it didn't feel like a free skip through the tulips childhood, you know, (laughs) we would um, do our chores and earn money for our chores, but we had to put money into tithe to the church. Mm -hmm. And then the rest of the money went into savings. So unbeknownst to me, I learned that money wasn't mine. Right, just that's just a subliminal message was like I earned this money, but I had to I'm using air quotes for the listeners, I had to give it back. I had to give 10% to the church and 10% to my, you know, to my savings account. So that's just one small example of uh, a money belief that I carried into adulthood. And um, there's a lot more, believe me. So, so beginning to work with money with my clients is similar to what we talked to before. I was seeing them go through some of the things that I had gone through in my, the course of my, uh, my money story. And when, you know, in corporate, I was pinnacle six figures, I had five figure bonus, I had all these perks and whatnot. So going into entrepreneurship, you know, whew, talk about a bucket of cold water, it's just really different. <laughs> yeah. And part of my success is my naivete. If I knew what I was getting into, I never would have probably done it. So in one way, I'm really glad of it. Um, yeah. And so I, I self-funded my businesses and it, I had an opinion, a belief that it would take off greater than it did. And the effort to build a base uh, strong enough and big enough to actually sustain me with uh, income and what I needed to live was just much more uh, deep and and broad than I expected it to be. So, so that, so as I was figuring that out, I'm spending money, right? I still have to live. So even though money isn't coming in, I'm using my savings. I dipped into my 401k. I even used my pension. People might be listening to this and going, you know, how how is that even possible? And, and I never, look, I made choices that some people make might never choose to make, but they were the ones I chose to make. And, and I did try to go back to corporate a couple of times and, you know, got interviews and never got through, you know, to the final round or whatever. And because of my belief around the universe and spirit, um, I knew that 
if those were supposed to be, they would have been if mm-hmm. I was supposed to go back to corporate. And so I just, I kept at it. And, and so as I had less and less money, I was able to more clearly see how money came in and how money went out. And at first I was really angry. Like finally I landed a client and, oh, I need a crown on my tooth and that's yeah. 1200 bucks. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and, and I was like, just curses, you know, that this was going on. But I began to realize with my own reflection and spiritual growth work where I was like, why am I being shown or being drawn through this experience? I thought, oh, now, like before in corporate, like the money just went into my, you know, direct deposit. My Mm -hmm. insurance was paid right away. Everything was just, you know, did it divvied out into the different accounts. Now I'm watching each and every dollar, you know, come through. And, And now I can see that that was a really essential element for me to understand was was how the universe works with money. That was my lesson. And mm-hmm. so so now I was looking at things like, look at that. The universe knew I was going to need a crown. That's why I got the client. Yeah. You know? So it's actually kind of a reverse look at things. And and don't get me wrong, and, and for the listeners too, I'm not a Pollyanna about this stuff. You know, money is a serious topic, um, you know, for a lot of us. And, and I don't want to completely make light of it. And, and I'm not just a everything stay positive type of person. I'm a realist as well. Mm -hmm. And I say, I put the how-to to to the woo-woo with, with this stuff. And so what I've learned is, is what I've put the how-to to to, is, is to help people look at their money and track their money in a way that is in alignment with universal laws of attraction and your belief systems as well, which, which tend to channel more kind of on the spirit or spiritual end, religion, whatever it is for you. So the, so what I see with people who are making the changes that I've mentioned when we started the the episode is that they often think they have to start at square one with salary or expectations if they want to shift their career or shift their business in a different direction and that immediate thought that they have to accept less to do what they feel more aligned with is uh, it, that's a sign that there's a money belief in the way I call it BS, which is belief system. There's a money belief system in the way. And I was seeing that for myself as well. After that experience with the coaching program where I spent $10,000 and everything I implemented that they told me to, none of it worked for me. Um, and I, you know, I had like barely two nickels rubbing together as I, I like to say, but as I began to see and learn how to manage my money and and stay in alignment with my beliefs around money that's when this body of work really started to show itself and so the pulling it together and not only watching watching how it moved but also recognizing that oh it's when I make a decision that the money comes in so, so for example, oh, I can't do that because I don't have the money, right? Mm-hmm. That's very common. And most people would say that's a very solid decision. Like you yeah. don't have the money, so don't do that. But if your intuition is, you know, beaming neon lights that you need to fill in the blank, you know, get a coaching certification because mm-hmm. that's where your soul is dragging you, then what if you make the decision and that prompts the universe to say, oops, I got to fill, I've got to backfill that money now that it's spent. Mm-hmm. And that's another stage of my money experience that I began to recognize that 
if I lived in a constricted state with my money and said, um, you know, barely rubbing two nickels together, I would never have done anything because I didn't have any money. I really had to separate the fear and the um, imposed beliefs, the cultured beliefs to really look within and say, what are my you know, metaphysical and spiritual beliefs about this, and how can I stay true to that as opposed to what everyone outside of me is is saying? You know, should be done. Yeah. And so, yeah. Did that's, you have a question? Yeah. That's very powerful. Yeah, I was. Well, I was just more more of a statement. Um, I agree. I always tell my clients, like, what is it? What is it that you really want to do? What is aligned? And I was like, put that out there, put that out into the universe, put, write it out on paper. I was like, because as soon as you do that, your brain starts clicking, clicking and everything that you're going to focus on is going to kind of bring whatever that is that you want into your life. But if you, if you tell yourself over and over again, that it's something that you can't have or can't do because of whatever reason, then it's cut off immediately. There's like a very, a lower chance that that's going to happen. You have to be open and you have to, like you said, make the decision that this is what's going to happen. This is what I want. And I'm like, even if it sounds ridiculous, even if it sounds impossible, put it out there. And let me bridge on that because it's about Mm self-worth, you see. So, so if I think I have to start at ground zero, you know, if I'm switching careers, there that's an that's a statement about your belief of your self-worth now i also temper it with there's a lot of messaging in my opinion in the spiritual and personal growth industries that say everything is about self-worth when it comes to money like oh i don't deserve it or i don't whatever and i don't i don't believe in absolutes as a general rule um but I think that there's an over-spiritualization of money that happens where we talk about just abundance and prosperity. And I'm like, no, we've got to talk greenbacks, man, because, you know, that's what pays the rent. Mm-hmm. And so from a self-worth perspective, we have to recognize that all of that experience, all of that knowledge, all of that wisdom comes with us with whatever the next thing is that we choose to do whether it looks the same or not and and so again it's a it's a matter of an of embracing and your own inherent value as a being and if if the universe needs you in this universe to make it whole and complete and balanced that's your value your value isn't how much money you make your value isn't how much more you're doing for someone you know a lot of women fall into if I do more I'll be valued more or they'll appreciate me more and that's a a bit of a you know bs as well so so it's important to really honor that your role in the universe is whole and complete already just by existing like that's Mm -hmm. your compensation and then what's the amp up to that the amp up to that is being really connected to that soul's calling and having that courage to really listen to it. And so what I would enhance with what you shared about writing it down is, uh, again, I'm a word nerd, so I'm a little biased about actually voicing things. Mm-hmm. And to me, voicing things is a literal and figurative um, amplification of what it is that you're choosing. And I use the word choice, not intention, not 
you know, anything else you're choosing or you're making the decision to. Ralph Wal uh, Waldo Emerson's quote of uh, when you make a decision, the universe conspires to make it happen. That mm -hmm. I totally believe. Yep. So so it's it, it's a nuance. It might be just, you know, writing this fine line here, but there is a big energetic difference between I'd really like to do this thing to I am going to do this thing. How, you know, let me, when you take that first step forward, that's the energetic that the universe goes, oh, shoot, she's moving. Let me, let me have her back. And yes. so it really is, that's the catalyst. It's the decision. It's the choice. And then by speaking it as to, to somebody, whoever, or even yourself in the mirror, just literally yes. that voice is the amplification again, and figurative as well. And it just re reaches a broader audience. So when people listen to you and you're telling them what you prefer, you know, two, two days, two weeks, two months down the road, they call you back up and say, remember when we went to dinner and you said you wanted X, Y, Z? Well, I just met ABC and you need yes. to meet that person. Yes. And so, so that's how we can honor the matrix that we are in the universe is by honoring each other in what they're choosing, taking it with us, um, which also means we have to share you know, what we need as well. And that's another pitfall of women sometimes is that we don't ask for help, right? And we're big, strong, independent women, you know, we, we can make yeah. it happen. I'm a single woman. I own my own home. I own my own business. Um, but guess what? People love to help other people. So yeah. when you tell people what you need, they're going to be there for you. People are more eager to help you win than help you beat somebody else right? So, so you win against yourself, so to speak. So they, they want to lift you up, let them know what they can do to help and um, give them the gift of how it feels when you give somebody, when you help somebody, right? Think of how that makes you feel. Let them feel that for you. Exactly. Exactly. I can't think of a better way to end this episode. I mean, it was just the perfect description. And um, whenever I talk about doing any type of manifestation process or something I want to bring into my life, you know, how everyone's like, oh, you know, it's really good to visualize it and stuff like that. I have trouble with vis visualization. I really do. It doesn't really come easy to me. And so the easiest way for me to do it is to speak it. Right. And so even if nobody's here to listen, I, yeah. <laughs> I speak it, I might sound crazy, but it's like just talking about it. Like it's already happening and then feeling into those feelings. And I feel like feeling into it is just so important, but putting it out there, you're right. It's just, it's so, it's so huge because once somebody knows what you're looking for, they automatically want to hand it to you. Um, and so this is perfect because every time I interview somebody, I have a little fun question that I ask at the end and uh, it has nothing to do with anything we're talking about, but it is a little bit connected to this. And the question is, if you could have anything in the world with no limitations, so no societal judgment, no monetary limitations, no limitations at all, what would you want? Oh my gosh, what a, what a magical question. Yes. Wow. It's hard for me to answer that because I have created my life so much of what I want it to be. Yeah, um, it's beautiful. I oh like my that. goodness. Yeah. I, the only thing that would come to me is, is without the constructs, I would want to like teleport. <laughs> oh, yes. Like, right? Like, 
I don't want to travel four hours in the car to see my family. You know, can I just go Star Trek blinkety blank yes. and let me get there? So that's what I would wish for. <laughs> I love that. I, and I, I just love, this is like a little experiment I'm doing because every time I talk to someone, it always has something to do with traveling almost every really? time. Yeah. Almost That's every, fascinating. Yes. Yeah. It's like, uh, I would like a, you know, uh, pay once all everything included ticket to like use the airlines whenever I wanted go anywhere I wanted. Uh, yes. It has a lot to almost always to do with traveling and visiting family is a big one too, but it's always some type of traveling and the, the teleporter. Yes. Star Trek. Remember <laughs> watching that when they would go and stand on the little. <laughs> yes. There's a Absolutely. And, and I dream of Jeannie that also comes to mind that. Yeah. Like, yeah. Or yeah, she just she blinks. Yeah. Put her mm-hmm. hands in front of her. And that's yeah. right. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. It's been a pleasure having you on. Can you tell everyone where they could find you? Where do you hang out mostly, like on social media and stuff? Sure. I'm not a huge social gal. You can find me on LinkedIn. I'm okay. somewhat active there. You can find me on Facebook personal page as well as my business page there is called Mindful Business Matters. My portal to me is my website, which is christineclifton.com. And I'm sure your show notes will have the spelling of that. And then everything that I do is uh, you can connect through there to to find me. So there's freebies on my website and uh, there's a quiz that I would invite your listeners to take called um, the Money BS Meter and to take that quiz and see what they think about their money beliefs and, and they'll get sent to some free classes that they can watch on, on a video as well. So um, yeah, take advantage of those things. Great. Great. Thank you so much. So all that information will be in the show notes. It was a pleasure having you on. Thank you so much. You're welcome.